Hey, bestie. What's up, girl? Hey, does anyone ever ask you, like, oh, I heard you do a podcast. What's that witty and gritty podcast all about? Yeah, okay, so I usually spit out this robotic sentence that's, we help hardworking Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have more joyful and fulfilling lives. So that's usually what I say, but I'm also monotone. Y'all know this. And so it's just like, so Farron, what does that mean? Yes. Well, my response is not as fancy, even (laughs) though I've heard you say that lots of times I should know by now, but essentially I explain that we help people grow in their Christian lives and through their growth, then they can better fulfill God's calling on their life. Right. So we're book study experts and we know how to analyze, pull apart and take that through the Christian lens, and that's kind of what we do here. And so then sometimes people are like, yeah, your self-help books, and they might be mainstream, but we are always sure to bring it back to God and the biblical view. Right, so whether you see a secular book or something that a Christian author's written, just know that when you come here, you're going to get it through a biblical lens. And not just ours. I like that we incorporate interviews by people living out the principles. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's your little bonus if you stick around through the series, which yeah. I hope you will. Yay! Here we go! Oh, hello again! <laughs> <laughs> We're saying hello again because we recorded this entire episode and something glitched. Yeah, we sound like Chippendale. <laughs> and yes, we tried all the things and I think the devil's just trying to get us down, which means... Someone's going to hear about Jesus today through this episode. There you go. There you go. Well, beginning positively. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And we get to make my favorite joke again, which is that we are in parkour. Or do I mean part four? (laughs) It's still funny to me. (laughs) I just pictured Dwight Schrute from The Office every time. Yeah. So we are in part four. Part one, two, and three we have already done. Part one was essentials of engagement. Part two is six ways to make a lasting impression. Part three is how to merit and maintain trust. And parkour is about how to lead change without resistance or resentment. We're feeling, we're feeling, we're going to pause and let you see if this is working. Yes. And I'm trying to not feel resentment towards GarageBand for having us re-record this. GarageBand. But here we go. Round two. It's going to be better than the last one. Last one, best one. It's going to be shorter for sure. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to cut out all the fluff. Which is great because we're dovetailing two chapters. One of them is begin on a positive note and the other one is admitting your baggage. And that's what we're doing here. We are. We're beginning on a positive. Not all rainbows and butterflies. Sometimes you have to redo entire episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not mad. Just to share our baggage with you. Yep. But let's begin on a positive note, bro. Yes, show. <laughs> okay, well, this whole section is about if you are leading, you're pro- if you're stepping into a new role especially, you're going to have to flip the program. So a lot of coaches use that terminology. One program was ran a certain way, but since you're a different human than the person who previously ran it, you're going to flip the program to where you tweak it to where it's what you are looking for or envisioning. Yes, change is inevitable, and there seems to be two kinds of people. Those that love it and look forward to it, and those, yes, Enneagram 7s, and those that try to avoid it at all costs. 9s and 5s. Yeah. (laughs) It just takes a lot of energy. Yes, that's why. (laughs) So let's discuss how we can put our energy to best use. Yes, and this episode is airing in July, which means this is 
a season of change. If you have kids, they're going into a new grade level, maybe a new school. They're going to have new and different teachers. Maybe the principal's changed. Maybe their coaches changed. Or maybe you're in a season where your job has changed, your title's changed, whatever it is. Change is coming, so be prepared. That's what I was going to say. Even if you are not in the thralls of change, you will be someday. And then you can say, good thing I listened to this episode they recorded a second time. Because it's doubly better than whatever the heck we recorded 30 minutes ago. Well, Brooke, did you know that the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality? Yeah, I think a lot of times you hear, like, reality check, or I'm going to go hit them with a dose of reality. But it doesn't have to be some sort of negative lens. Yeah. The idea is to have a positive lens on it. I like to think of this um, advice as, like, sticking to the facts. If you go into it saying, well, I got some bad news for you, and then you Mm -hmm. lay out the facts, you are setting the stage for them to receive this information negatively. Right. You also don't want to be fake about it. So you don't want to be like, hey, this is going to be hard, but we can come out the other side because I know how strong and tough you guys are. Just the more facts you can stick to, the better. It's almost like there's three ways to approach it. You could say, I'm starting with the negative, or... You hear this question, do you want the good news or the bad news first? Everyone's like, bad news! So then you get to end on a positive note, which that's why you always end on a positive note, people. But what if you could also begin on a positive note and end on a positive note? Yeah, sandwich style. (laughs) Compliment sandwich. Go back a few episodes learn how to do that. The rest of the quote says to be sure to end on a thank you, like you said. End on a positive, begin on a positive. And that in between the leader is the servant. So I've always appreciated... In light of a tough change, a leader that says but also follows through on, I'm going to be here for you through the process. If there's anything that I can do, here's what I'm already planning to do. Yeah, proactive. Feedback, yes. And helpful. Yeah, I think everyone is looking for a leader like that and wants a leader like that. So whenever you are having, whether it's giving feedback or it's your annual review or you're starting a new chapter... Beginning on a positive note is the way to go. It's kind of like you're setting the stage. So think of a, a, I thought of the movie Up, where like the first five minutes are awful. You're like, wow, I'm crying the first five minutes of a Disney movie. Why are we watching this again? Turn it off. And it took me years later to go back and rewatch the whole thing. So it's, all that could be avoided if you would just begin positively. And then, yes, address all of what needs to be addressed in a way that is helpful. And then compliment sandwich a lot of times too if it's like a end of year review the leadership person will say all the great things about you and then there's usually the word but who mm-hmm. the suggestion because in those situations what i do is when you say but and you give me the one thing to work on that's all i walk away hearing and it negates everything else like oh wow you were such a sweet friend but okay what yes So the suggestion here is to replace the word but with the word and, and in addition to not replacing everything I just said with this statement to follow. Right, like if your company is growing, that's, so you have growing pains, but that's a good problem, right? Growth is good, so instead of phrasing it in a negative way, you can say, yes, we have all these growing pains and we get to we get to learn a new thing or we get to do this, all this other stuff. So changing the but to an and and the have-tos to the get-tos 
that's going to help even if the news is hard. You can still make those two little tweaks and it makes it even better. Yeah, we're experiencing all of the success and this is what comes with it. And again, the alternative there is we could not be changing, but that would be the result of mm-hmm. not making progress or... Um, oh my gosh, we have to do layoffs because we're going backwards. Right. So framing it in a realistic, positive light, using the word and, not blowing smoke or being fluffy mm-hmm. or fake about it. Well, and you're also in a leadership position, so we, you're going to have to have the conversations. You're the leader. You're the, it's not like you're going <laughs> to, it'd be silly to have your kid be the one to, all right, young child, you got to tell me all the hard stuff. You know, you're the adult, you're the parent. You're going to deliver the hard information. Same thing in whatever role you're playing. You're the leader. You're the one who's guiding others. You deliver the hard information. Spider-Man always says, with great power comes great responsibility. So, yes, you're higher up in the chain or you're in charge of other people or you're influencing others in some way. But that comes with responsibility. You can't just be ridiculous with your power. And you might have to be responsible with your emotions. So you've probably heard, you know, if you're going to type or write an angry letter or email to wait maybe till the next day Mm -hmm. before you even write it or send it. And so that's the thing, too. If at all possible, do not deliver any news that could be accepted or received negatively if you have not had a chance to process it and truly find the positive and the silver lining. Um, I know, like, my kids, if they're not going to hurt themselves or destroy something further if I initially feel this rise in anger I try to give us like take a minute Mm -hmm. and respond sometimes that even generates like some questioning like this is what I'm perceiving that's not my child maybe I need to see what their intentions were behind what just happened more to come on that in later chapters but same thing if you cannot get up in front of the people or group that you lead or influence and truly deliver this with uh, hope and seeing the silver lining and seeing the benefit, um, then it's try not to do it. And if you still can't find it after you've let time pass, that's when it's great to have a community around you that can speak life into it or be a sounding board or give you a change in perspective on the topic. Yeah, and in this chapter it also talks about how it's not just positive thinking, it's rewiring your brains to recognize that our perceptions are not necessarily in line with truth, so it helps you... If you're presenting it in a positive light, instead of, oh, we're having growing pains, now i got to do all this work. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is all this other stuff. So if you can begin in a positive way and we get to grow in these aspects, that's going to be a whole lot different than receiving the negative information first. And your brain is also tripwired. Is that the word it used? Tripwired to see the negative first, which is why we want the bad news first or... We want to end on a positive note. Your brain wants the negative first, so that way there's some hope at the end. So if you can have hope all throughout, that's even better. And part of your job then as a leader is to know your audience and how they want to receive all kinds of information. Some people, even if it's positive, they still don't want it addressed in a public setting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is still (laughs) uncomfortable for them. And so knowing your audience and how... If you can, how each individual receives information and trying to, in some format, meet those needs. I know with my oldest, if there's a big change coming, she benefits from more time to process. 
my younger two, I try to wait till the last minute (laughs) for a variety of reasons. But it's because I know them and how they function and how they receive information. So as a parent, I have to kind of juggle in between those two extremes. Mm -hmm. That way there isn't, again, this sense of resentment or pushback when change arises. Well, if we can think about the reverse too, like at one point you weren't the leader, you were working your way up, right? So you you reported to someone and you probably still do report someone to someone. We all report to Jesus, right? So, (laughs) but there's something called the mom effect, which is where you don't want to give the bad news to the higher up. So this term is called the mom effect. So if I have to deliver bad news to my boss, I don't want the messenger to get shot. That's why people say, don't shoot the messenger, but blah, 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 because the mom effect is what's taking place. And so what would happen is if there's bad news to be delivered, they would make it fluffier and fluffier. So by the time it got to the top, they weren't really upset about it. But none of the problems were being addressed and it was still happening. So as the leader, you can ask their opinions or what do you think about this? Or, hey, we're thinking about doing this, this, but I, I really want to know what you think because you're the one who's in the trenches. And that brings up a good point, too, that there's a responsibility on both parties, both the person delivering the news and the person receiving the news. Now, there's only so much you can control. Right. And, you know, people pleasers are really going to struggle with having to deliver any type of news that could cause, you know, someone to be upset with them. But something I'm working on is being the messenger, doing my research, making sure I'm in a good place to present it and that I've considered multiple angles. Mm -hmm. But at some point, the rest of the responsibility also rose falls on the recipient. That's true. So if you um, have goals and aspirations and becoming a leader in a bigger and better, I have better is maybe not the right word, but in a larger setting, um, just know that you want to look at your experiences and hearing and receiving change, but you can also support those above you by being a good recipient. And that, and if you're training people, you need to train people on how to do that. So if You have, if you're the coach and you have captains, or if you're the leader and you have a leadership team, however that works, you need to coach them up on how to do that. That way they can begin to do that as well and model and all that jazz. It helps with buy-in as well. So he does give three simple steps, which is great. So first, the praise you offer must be genuine and heartfelt because everyone can see right through it when it's not. People aren't dumb. Second, you must be able to create a smooth flow from point to point. So it's not two unrelated things like, I really like your outfit. Oh, hey, this terrible thing is happening at work, but your lipstick matches your dress. That's <laughs> not how it needs to be related and flow somehow. So if you're starting with gratitude, make sure it's playing into the strengths that they will need here for this next challenge or this next let's rise to the occasion moment and then the third step is offer constructive advice rather than criticism following the praise so Farron you do a good job of calling it a reminder and so instead of because people are like oh yeah give me feedback or I want constructive criticism I in my head criticism still sounds bad Mm -hmm. I don't want that but if someone's like oh hey just remember to do this because you already know how to do it You've mm-hmm. done it before. That helps a lot with kids, too. I've seen you do it before. You can do it again. Just don't forget to do it. Or if you forget, then just try the next time. Yeah, it conveys that I know they can do it. And, and they know they can. Oh, you just forgot. Mm-hmm. Or don't forget. Mm-hmm. And even when I work, I have a position where I train teachers on reading instruction. And so I encourage them to wonder. So that, instead of it coming across like, I am telling you to do this, 
or you need to do this, or administration is going to be asking and making you do this, requiring it, I encourage them to wonder about it. Like, what would that look like if you did it in your classroom? Or I wonder how this skill could help your students learn. Mm -hmm. And in answering that question, it can create some buy-in, especially if it's something that they haven't tried. Mm -hmm. So someone's, a lot more people are up for imagining with you than being told what to do. Well, that's, and people really like autonomy. Don't tell me exactly what to do. If I need to staple the papers at a 90 degree angle, I mean, that's just a little micromanaging. No one likes to be micromanaged. So I like the idea of just imagine or wonder or take some time and let me know what you think about how you want to do this. Because if we both, the goal is the same, this end result. But there's a million ways to get to that end result. And it would be silly for me to think that all of my employees would do it the exact same way with the same passion and drive. Whereas one person might want to do it one way or another way. It gives them that chance to even think about that. Yeah, I do that sometimes with my kids too. If there's a behavior that happens over and over and I've tried everything, I have an honest conversation with my kids of, this is the behavior I'm seeing. Here's what I've tried to help you out. I wonder what we could do so that way you'd remember or you wouldn't do this behavior anymore. And a lot of times they'll give you the ideas. Mm -hmm. Balls in their court. Which, episode uh, 60. Yeah, parenting with love and logic is a good one, or teaching with love and logic, a lot of the same principles. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of those books now, kind of like there's a lot of love language books, there's a lot of uh, love and logic books. So, yeah. Or you could just listen to episode 60. Hey! Yeah, because again, they're taking ownership, There's it. you're communicating a change, you're communicating what you've done to try to do it. You're putting that responsibility. They're getting some say in it. And when you hold them accountable, remember, it's kind of like, well, this was your idea, but, you know, right. be soft with that one. <laughs> Delivery. <laughs> I'm just doing what you said that you thought would work. And then, again, it goes, oh, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. I like how it ends, too. So beginning with praise and appreciation will help you help people be more productive, more committed, and more inclined to see your point of view. Again, empathy all around. A positive outlook always places interactions on a positive path. So, I think there's one thing I'd add to that, too, as far as a positive path, is if you have to, sometimes you have to have really tough conversations. Yeah. And any positive is maybe very minuscule. In those situations, the suggestion is to have those in a face-to-face -face setting. Absolutely. I've, I've seen a lot of times where maybe the leadership wanted everyone to have the information at the exact same time. And so they sent out an email blast with the intentions to discuss it further at another day and time. And it just seems to fester. It's misinterpreted, read differently. The sixes are spiraling out of control. Yes. What and, does this look like? Yeah. Instead... If it's a really tough conversation or a really big change, it's mm -hmm. best to have those face-to-face. Uh, -face. And that's what you would want someone to do for you, right? Exactly. <laughs> Break up over text. Oh, no! <laughs> All right, chapter two, another fun topic. Another fun topic is acknowledging your baggage. <laughs> what did you say earlier? Something about, like, it makes me think of flights. I don't know. <laughs> Catch flights, not feelings. Everyone's traveling right now. It's summertime. Yeah, you have baggage in all kinds of ways. <laughs> There's certain bags you should open up and some you just shouldn't. <laughs> yes, this is a good point, Farron. So we're not talking about <laughs> unrelated unhealthy vulnerability. Like if you're in a work meeting, you don't, you don't need to talk about crazy Aunt Sally. You don't have an Aunt Sally, do you? No. Okay, crazy Aunt Sally. Sorry, Sally. Off the rocker <laughs> again, binge drinking and 
smoking cigarettes. I don't know. So, but that's that has nothing to do with what you're working with. So it's not like we're talking about something totally unrelated and not helpful to whatever you're doing. We're talking about acknowledging your past mistakes as a rookie or growing up or when I was in seventh grade, I thought that too. It's being able to connect with your past self to their present self through empathy. Absolutely. I think that when you come from a place of, I'm perfect, I would never do this, and you want to... I don't buy anything you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately, it's unrelatable. I'm not going to admit Mm -hmm. to making the mistake that you just made sound like the worst thing possible. So it just makes you seem like a fellow human being when you admit, you know, hey, I've made similar mistakes before. Here's some changes I've made. Back to love and logic, it's that whole idea Mm -hmm. of, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but would you like to hear what others have done? Yeah. So here's some mistakes I've made in the past. I made these changes, and here's all the positive I've seen come from that. Um, It just makes you relatable. Yes, and and approachable, too. They'll be able to come up to you and say, hey, I had a whoopsie. Here's what it looks like. Got any experience with that? (laughs) No, but maybe, but I have... I do have a friend who has, and I can tell you what they did. So it's not like pulling this other person into it, or if you're like, ooh, I can't admit that I did that. <laughs> you can help them through it somehow. They even talk about um, inner office rivalries in this chapter too, which I think is important, especially if you work in a law firm and there's multiple lawyers that are all working for the same company, but you want to win the case, they want to win their case, and you want that case, they want the same case. Or with account managers and sales, I mean, there's all kinds of team where you are still very much running your own business in in a way still working for a higher corporation but um, rivalry within a team and that even in sports it could be for starting positions but we are on the same same team team. yeah which is hard especially because someone out there listening their kid is going to be second string or playing second fiddle (laughs) (laughs) and you're going to have to figure out how to coach them through that so you got to use that to spur each other on. What well, I guess it was maybe last episode, a couple episodes about Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, about how they were same sport, played against each other, and it only got them better. So if you're going against, um, whenever I coached on the high school level, I would ha- I had a freshman one particular year. She was in the stopper position. And she was doing her best to shut down one of the forwards who had a full ride to a D1 school. And she would shut her down like every every few times, but she would get discouraged. And I'm like, hey, you do realize that you're 14 shutting down an 18-year-old who's getting a free ride to a D1 school. You realize this is making you better, right? And once she kind of realized that, she's like, oh, okay, now I'm going to use every rep counts. So, yeah. Absolutely. And that story you're referring to has a powerful message that um, this inner office rivalry, uh, this lady was wanting to move up in the company, but had this epiphany that, wow, if I have these kind of relationship relations with co- co-workers, as far as rivalry, okay, get your <laughs> mind out of the gutter, that as I move on, I don't want that to follow me, and it's not for the good of the company, and... At the heart, at my heart, I probably just don't want to have that reputation or be that person. Right, you might not even get hired. Yes, so she went and made amends with a gentleman that worked in the company, and surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, when she was the first to admit her faults, he quickly admitted his role in the situation as well, 
And so not to apologize just to get an apology back, right? Like, mm-hmm. I said, sorry, now your turn. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a big deal. Like, there, it was a huge rivalry in the office. She humbly came forward and said that she was wrong, this isn't right, and that he reciprocated, which is great. That's best-case scenario. And if there's no reciprocity, you know that you did the more coddly thing of, hey, I'm humbly admitting my fault, swallowing my pride, and I'm trying to do better. And it talked about how um, the item found to me most linked to career advancement is freely admitting to making mistakes. Because who wants that boss who's like, I'm perfect and flawless and I don't ever mess up? Yeah, my mom likes to say it's not what you know, it's who you know. And not to say that like you want someone in a leader pres- leadership position that doesn't know anything. But I do think that especially working in an organization and with other people's that you got to have a bit of that camaraderie, that respect, Mm -hmm. the ability to reach people and communicate well. And so admitting your mistakes, think about that. That beat out knowledge and skills, but it also beat out like hard work, Uh work ethic, Uh which to me, that's where I I, I have that like at the top. Um, But I'm sure we can think of somebody who portrays being flawless passes the buck on other people, makes excuses, and how quickly we can lose respect Mm -hmm. for a person that operates like that. Yeah, win as a team, lose as a team, it's all together. And that also opens up the window for accountability as well. So if I know that this is where my mistake is and I'm letting the people under me know that, I can also reach adjacent to me and say, hey, other person in my same position maybe at if you're a principal, another principal. Or if you're a head coach, another head coach. You get the picture. Find the the lateral you, and they can keep you accountable with that, too. A good takeaway from this podcast as we get near the end would be, how do I own up to mistakes? You know, because some mm-hmm. self-evaluation. Am I quick to admit it, or do I take a while? Do I displace blame and make a lot of mm. excuses? And that can be tough, so if you struggle or don't want to answer that because you don't like it. Well, I'll say it. Enneagram ones are uh, telltale blame other people or blame other things. Yes. Something I've had to work on. I think we, we <laughs> probably have all found ourselves maybe in similar situations. But you could also reframe the question and say, when someone that I work with makes a mistake, how would I want them to respond? Would I want them to tell me, sooner than later or try to hide it and then it gets worse and man if I would have known sooner we could have done x damage control sooner Mm -hmm. when they tell me the problem do I want them to just go point the finger and displace blame and make excuses and a lot of times I think the answer to that's going to be nah yeah no thank you and how are you receiving the information too so when someone comes and admits fault or admits they've done something wrong are you going to bite their head off or shame them I'm thinking of kids like if Mm -hmm. If Sloan breaks something, I want her to come tell me instead of me go walk on the glass later or Rhett walk on the glass. I mean, just I'd rather you just tell me. And if you can instill this in them young or new for whatever position, new to you, then later on when the mistakes get more risky or bigger or harder consequences, they know that you are a no shame, no blame, trusted source who will help them through it. Both of my younger kids, they... Uh, went through a lying phase. It's like they discovered, mm. huh, I can avoid a lot of trouble with no. <laughs> this lying thing. And it was the most stupid, I'm using the word stupid things that like they were lying about. And two, their lie was completely dumb. 
like, who ate the chocolate cake? And they're like, not me, and it's all over your face. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So I realized, though, like, as a leader in the family, I realized that every time I caught them lying, I was getting, or in trouble. When I caught them in trouble, doing something wrong, my initial reaction was kind of blown up. So what I started doing is anytime they told the truth about something, and I would give them, like, easy wins. Mm-hmm, for like, sure. who forgot to throw their trash away? And they're like, oh, me. And I'd be like, thank you, you for goose. telling me the truth. I yeah. really, I mm-hmm. love that. Thank you for that. And I had to be very mindful. Well, sometimes and I, the word you just used, who forgot, instead of who didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everybody has a whoopsie. Like, hey, guys, come on. Yeah. Back to the whole reminder thing, I guess. So, setting it up to be a safe environment because telling them not to lie, lying's bad. Uh, well, it's not as bad as getting chewed out. Right. So giving, Especially depending on the kid. Yeah, giving them a safe environment to uh, be trustworthy, to admit their mistakes. Right. <laughs> All right, so that was chapter one and two of parkour. <laughs> Guys, we don't have very many books that have a part four, so we're going to take advantage. (laughs) We're going to say it every time. Tune in next week to hear it again. All right. Bye. We're really good at segues. (laughs) And sound effects, right. Yes, so that's the end of our episode. But if you find yourself wanting more, and who could blame you? Brooke, (laughs) tell them where they can find us Monday through Friday. We have a lovely website. It's wittyandgritty.blog. You can go there. It has every mini-series ever we've done. What about the socials, Baron? Yes, we are on Instagram and Facebook primarily, but we do also have um, a Pinterest account, so be sure to follow us on your favorite social platform. Yeah. Oh, also, fun fact, we release episodes every Wednesday, so you can count on us. Be sure to subscribe. That way you don't have to go and find it every week. Yeah, it'll just automatically do the magic computery thingy. Thank you, technology. Go technologies and Uh, Instagrams. Yes. All right, we'll catch you next week, guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by 21 Kicks Journals, the journals you'll actually finish. Research shows that actively doing something for 21 days in a row will change your brain. Our uniquely designed 21-day journals will grow you on a deeper level, help you increase your odds of achieving your goals, and, not to mention, they're fun and beautifully designed. Head to the 21 Kicks Etsy shop today to explore your journaling options. We'll link it in the show notes.